Can we review our status here, Sai? Let's look at this thing from a uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. You have nothing better to do at three o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. What's happened so far? I'll tell you what's happened so far. Syracuse won the national championship in soccer. That's what's happened so far. We've talked about it. What unbelievable game last night. Like Things are still happening. I don't. That was just pandemonium, especially the penalty kicks. I think my heart rate has settled. And we talked to David Hale of ESPN about uh, Mike Leach and the transfer portal and the comings and goings of the Orange football uh, coaching staff. Always good to catch up uh, with David. And we did mention there was an Orange basketball game last night. Yes, there was. And Syracuse did win, and they will be back in action on Saturday against Cornell. Much, much more basketball talk, as always, as the week uh, goes along. But uh, today is a Soccer Tuesday, if there ever was. And uh, with that, we're going to uh, bring in Devin Curry. He was on the call last night with Dallin Cuff on ESPNU, uh, Devin, I've got my I got my soccer scarf going here, so I think I got proper attire going for our, our conversation today. Have you come down from that game last night? That that had to be up there with the, some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen, considering uh, what was on the line last night. My flight home has landed, so that's good. But uh, <laughs> energy levels certainly not. It, it was funny because the producers were asking, you know, I don't know how easy it is to go to bed after matches in general, yet alone something like that. And the answer is. It's not very easy. I went out to dinner with the entire crew and we were awake well into the morning, just kind of reminiscing about the game that was. And in the short time that I've been involved with college soccer, five years now, um, four college cup finals, even just watching them from the past, that ranks right up there with with one of the best. I don't think it tops the 2019 final between Georgetown and UVA, Okay, but it, it's right there for me. Pretty close. I mean, it, it was crazy. And let's just kind of go backwards because... You know, penalty kicks in themselves are a nerve-wracking thing. Like, just one penalty kick, if, if you get fouled during the game, you get one is a nerve-wracking thing. But when uh, there literally was 16 of them taken and it going into the extra penalties, I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, is there anything more just nerve-wracking in sports than a penalty kick shootout with something like that, with literally a championship on the line? No, I said this on air last night, actually, that it's the best way to win a game. I can tell you that the, the exhilaration that you feel, the energy running through your body, there's an joy and a rush of endorphins that's impossible to replicate. It's also the worst way to lose. But that walk from the center circle to 12 yards out, it is just, it's like being in the middle of the Arctic Circle all by yourself with no hope, no end in sight. Because even when you get to 12 yards out, you're thinking, wow, I just you want this to end as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. whether good or bad. It's just that <laughs> lonely. I mean, it, it's again, it's awesome. Like, it's super fun, but it's mentally very difficult to handle because you've got the entire way walking up to think about it. Then, the you know, the goalkeeper, depending on what's being thrown at you, maybe he's running his mouth. We've certainly seen a bunch of antics in the World Cup this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you figure out in your brain which way you're going to go. What did coach say to me? How am I going to handle this? And head down. Hit it with a hope and a prayer, and 
Just uh, fingers crossed that you don't mess up. <laughs> you know what, Devin? This thought, and you mentioned the World Cup. This thought occurred to me last night watching the PKs, and I, the Orange won in PKs in the ACC semis as well against Virginia. So against Virginia, they go 5-for-5, five five, and last night they go 7-for-8 to, to win the national championship. And I, I get it. There's a lot else that goes into the World Cup, and the goalies are first class, and they're all like 6-8, and they're all over the place. But it, it feels like the college kids are making PKs at a higher rate than these PKs in the World Cup. Is that just... You know, the World Cup is so pressure-packed and so stressful. What, what what do you make of that, or do you think I'm I'm reading too much into it? No, I'm with you. There's a combination of things. Number one, skill level higher, both for the players um, and the goalkeepers. And you have to separate them because, you know, even, even going into the College Cup asking the guys, hey, you know, how much prep have you done um, from dead ball situations? In this day and age, they can see a lot more. Obviously, in the World Cup, you can see everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you see every single, you know, move, strike penalty that's taken in college you can get your hands on about i would say 80 percent of stuff um maybe you can get a little bit more if you dig and and you've got friends in high places that are willing to share some (laughs) common opponents but you don't necessarily see everything it's hard though i mean even then like even the misses and the makes it's it's just difficult because there's tendencies then you start second guessing yourself the goalkeeper wonders as to whether or not you're actually going to stick with your strengths but uh, there certainly have been some unpretty ones. Just uh, don't talk to the Englishman about that. I'm sure Harry Kane still has some stuff sitting in the back of his mind about that miss. Uh, yeah, he just skied it completely over the bar the other day. And, you know, France still knocks... hasn't landed. Uh, no. And, and the, after he'd already taken one in the game, and it was as good as like anybody in the world could have accomplished. So that that tells you the, the difference and how mental it is with that stuff. Uh, Devin Kerr, he was on the, the call last night with Dallin Cuff on ESPNU for the Orange Soccer National Championship win against Indiana. And, you know, there there was the moment in penalties where I think we all thought Syracuse had lost. Levante uh, Johnson steps up there, he he kicks it, and the clang it made off the crossbar, uh, you know, Devin, that the noise of that clang means you have lost, and the ball went in the net. Like, did you think at the time the game was over the other way? Well, friendly reminder, we saw a similar clang in at the end of regulation yes, for we did. Indiana. Oh, that almost went in, but we can we can get back to that in a second. Just before the kick, I actually looked at my partner, Dallin Cuff, and I shook my head. I didn't like the way that he was walking up to the ball. Didn't like his lineup, thought he was too straight on, and I was nervous that his technique was going to be off. And it was, but not enough, right? Like it does, you sort of like just kind of catch your breath and, oh no, oh my God, what happened? And whether good or bad, you know, we don't carry favoritism in that situation. Um, And we're lucky enough that with those two specific coaches, incredible relationships with Todd Yeagley and Ian McIntyre. But Mm -hmm. yeah, for for a brief moment, you kind of wondered as to whether or not this thing was over. And yet, lady luck, as it has all season long, whether uh, they played very well or kind of struggled to get through a game, Shown bright for Syracuse. Yeah, you said it that one at the end of regulation. I don't know how it did not go in uh, for Indiana until like initially live. I'm like, well, that's got to be in the goal. And you show, I showed the replay. It's like, I, I guess not. So let, let's keep it moving. But you mentioned Ian McIntyre. You know, we, we talk to Mac all the time. He's been around here for 13 years. He is uh, the nicest guy uh, possible. I, I loved his interview with you guys post game last night where he, he's, he looks still stunned that it all happened and is still able to slip in his British sense of humor. What, what, what did you make of Max role in this whole thing? Uh, his general level of calm ha- has to help out a team in those moments. Oh my God. I'll tell you, Let, let's start there by the way. So Brian, I want to go back to, and we talked a little bit about it on an air. I want to go back to the Clemson game earlier this year. Okay. And that's, that's when my journey on the personal level started a, a bit more closer. You know, you normally you're 35,000 feet in the air mm-hmm. and, and you get a little bit closer when you're doing games and stuff. But 
I got the opportunity, Coach McIntyre and his staff and Yuka and, and Sean, they were kind enough to, to let me come and really spend the entirety of the trip with them. I ended up spending the night before. I was with them for about four hours. And they just got back from training, had dinner with them, you know, talked with the coaches privately, chatted with a bunch of the players. And then I went through a video film review with them. And he, he did such a good job, Coach, about keeping guys in this happy-go-lucky thought process like yes this is a job yes we have to go and you know kick you know what but like let's remember this is a game and let's have fun doing it Mm -hmm. and his personality carried over into the next day the image if people didn't see it there's a great image about five ten minutes into the game of ian mcintyre and we ran it from some pregame footage of him just sitting up in the stands hanging out (laughs) and by himself taking in the moment he was doing that at clemson too and I thought something was wrong with him. So did Dallin Cuff, my play-by-play guy. When, when we were at Clemson, he's just kind of sitting up there, and that student section gets a little bit rowdy. It's an hour to go. He's sitting up there in the corner, walked down, said, you all right? And just kind of looked over, said, you know, we're we're a good team, but this is a big test, and this is going to help define what we're going to be for the rest of the year, number one on the road. And they smacked Clemson around. And that's kind of the way that the season went. You know, there were always these – positive moments for me and McIntyre. He's got that charismatic personality enough to bring you in, maybe not necessarily be best friends, keep you at arm's length, but he gets you interested about him as a person, about his boys. And that's what I was taken back by the most was talented for sure. Driven, absolutely focused always, but individuals that were beyond the professional game, they were good young men, good people and to be able to take all of that and combine it into one, we don't really see the opportunity for that on a regular basis, yet to be able to successfully come out on the other side. I was very impressed with Ian and his demeanor and the way that he carried himself all season long. And I can tell you, hey, you're just getting to know him. Ed. It's, it's, that's consistent. Like that, that's, that's him. That's yep. 13 years at Syracuse, and uh, presumably uh, before that, that, that's who he's been the whole time. You know, uh, college cup run back in 2015 or a or, or rough season like they had. Uh, last year, albeit one last year where they beat Clemson, and then Clemson never actually lost again and went on to win uh, the national yeah. championship. Uh, you know, you said it. Uh, you said it Friday and last night in, in the broadcast uh, that you thought uh, Apuku and, and Johnson, you put them together, it's the best uh, tandem in the country like that. And man, they connected uh, time and time again. It's so crazy in soccer. Like the the Syracuse roster, it churns every year. It's just the nature of it. Those two were not here last year. How wild is it? Like those two guys came from you know different worlds apart, show up here, and, and then play together like that all season long. Very impressive. We did figure out statistically that they're fifth. Now take that with a grain of salt because yeah. I mean a guy you know Duncan McGuire from Creighton scores twenty three goals. I mean really do the math. If someone scores two more, they're they're better than the guys from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But that's just statistically right. They're so different in nature. But their background, as well as really the entirety of this team, is actually quite similar because you have so many transient players in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, college soccer has evolved. We've gone from, you know, the elite blue chip athlete going to NCAA to all of a sudden, okay, well, some guys are making professional jumps to these schools, your Syracuse, Indiana's, you know, Pitt's one of them as well, Duke, Stanford. They're struggling to find product. That's a good problem for American soccer because all these guys are getting professional shots. Right. And even if they are coming to school, Syracuse knows the thing about this. You know, DeAndre Kerr, Miles Robinson, these guys are leaving early. Mm-hmm. So they're not staying around. So the nature of the transfer, Levante Johnson, 
Salt Lake, Seattle, now Syracuse. Nathaniel Apoku, Lindsey Wilson, Ray Wells has a great program. 12 different guys on this roster are transfers over the past three seasons, eight of which played in the game, six of which started. And all of the focus, I don't want to say should be on the front two, but you can understand why, because they are so different. Levante Johnson, a little bit more direct in nature, a ton of speed. What an engine he's got on him. Just keeps going over and over again. Pressure all over the place and finds himself in the right spots at the right times. It's a pretty good finisher inside the top of the 18. We certainly saw that in a couple of ways in the semifinal against Creighton. Nathaniel Opoku, for me, he was the player of the tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not just saying within the College Cup. I'm talking about the entire NCAA tournament. Statistically, he was right there. Yes, guys in the past have had better points numbers, but the goals that he provided and the situations that we were in, and especially in the semis in the final, I was really taken back by him because I'd seen him in person a couple of times, but this was a, a bigger step for him. You know, Ian McIntyre says that he's unpredictable at times, which is difficult for his team to read, but it's also amazing because the results that come out of it are pretty fantastic. And that's what we saw guy, good feet, good in the air, vision, unselfish, willing to do the work, but willing to also find his teammates. And that's a striking duo that personally, you know, I rattled my brain over the past couple of seasons and I've seen a lot of college soccer. I'm not necessarily sure we've seen a duo quite like that. You could talk about the Pip-Boys and Valentin Noel and Bertin Jacasson and the form that they had in 2020, but this is right there with him for sure. Well, I mean, you look at the the game-winning goal on Friday night in the semis. It was two on it was two on five. I think it was those two, and like the entirety of Creighton was in between them and the goal, and, and somehow they pulled it off and won the game. Uh, Devin Kerr, who uh, called the College Cup with uh, Dallin Cuff on ESPN, is with us. And you know, lastly, I, I want to ask you this, Devin. You know, it's beating Indiana. It, yes, Indiana has not won a title since 2012. You know, woe is me. Uh, but that's a long time for them. But this is this is the gold standard in this sport. They are. You know, for fans around here, I, I made this comparison yesterday. They are the Syracuse lacrosse of uh, men's college soccer. They are the team. But what does it mean for Syracuse that, you know, you're going against a lot. Like, history is against you last night. It felt like the full weight of Indiana's championships were falling on them late in the second half, and they had to, to hold the whole thing off. How, how do you hold off a program like that? It's... It's darn near impossible, isn't it? And we almost saw the comeback completed last night by Indiana. Uh, a couple of schools. You know, I mentioned some of the blue chips earlier, but when you get into the historics, Indiana, Stanford, University of Virginia, these are teams that, regardless of talent, they just step on the field and they, they have a commanding presence about them. That is an overwhelming aura, and it's difficult as a player to match that because you've never faced it before or you weren't recruited by that school or a combination of those things. And it drives teams to different places, both good and bad. For Syracuse last night, it drove them to a spot of desperation, mm -hmm. but in a charismatic nature that, you know, we saw the camaraderie, uh, that chemistry that was built all season long, that no matter what was thrown at them, they were going to find a way to persevere through because the only two losses, University of Virginia, down a man, unlucky goal, did they deserve to win the game? Not necessarily, but I wouldn't say they deserve to lose it either. Um, but, you know, the other one was was Colgate, right? Uh, and, Cornell. Colgate, excuse me, Cornell. Yep. Um, you know, the Cornell loss. They lost that game. So out of all of the games they played this year, they really only lost one and didn't really get outplayed. They got outplayed last night in the second half and into overtime. First half, by far the better team. But I said going into halftime, 
Two to one, it makes me scared because of Indiana. It doesn't matter what that talent level is, Brian, because I've seen double-digit pros come out of that program. I talked about the 2018 on air. Guys that are just littered with its European talent, MLS talent, USL championship, and more, some of which are already coaching, believe it or not. And they just, they toyed with you. They were that good. Guys on the U.S. Youth National Team, National Team Experience, this team was built different. They were built to grind and make you feel uncomfortable. And that's what we saw for Syracuse in the second half. That was a, uh, a real gut check, character. And I mentioned character and the personal side of these guys earlier for um, Syracuse Orange and getting the opportunity to experience it firsthand. The coaching staff as well. To be able to accomplish a national championship is one thing. To do it where you win the treble, you know, winning your your regular season, your postseason tournament, and then the national title is something that we haven't seen regularly. Uh, only four ACC squads have done it, three schools overall, no one since 2011. And yet to do it against a school like Indiana, that stuff, honestly, like if you were a player on that team, certainly nobody wants to end their career after that. But if you didn't play another game in the rest of your life, that's something that you can literally sit on a rocking chair with your grandchildren and tell them about. That's how mythical that was because you sit at home and, you know, kids as, as kids in America, baseball players want to be hitting the home run in the ninth inning. Right. And, you know, you're, you're batting against the Yankees or something. Right? Roger Clemens is throwing at you or in football, it's, you know, Brady's driving against you and you want to be on the receiving end of a, of a touchdown pass for him, or you're a safety picking the ball off for soccer. And at the college level, it's Indiana. And um, I'll be honest, I didn't think they had it in them. The way that the momentum was going, the the strikes and opportunities that were coming, they were just holding on for dear life. And my hat's off to them because that was something special and it was super fun to watch and be a part of. And uh, heck, we know this. Uh, Nike's going to have to do a little redesign. They're going to have to get that star on the on the jersey <laughs> for uh, for next year. All right, uh, Devin, uh, really fun to watch last night. That game was uh, a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, it was fun to hear your call with uh, Dallin. And uh, thanks for hopping on for a few minutes today. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you guys. All that, the best. That is Devin Curry. Had the call last night for the Orange's first ever national championship in men's soccer. Right now, we're going to hit a break. And uh, during the break, here's what we need you to do. Caller 3. Caller 3 is going to get registered for a chance, if we pull your name out later this week, to take a three-point shot against Cornell on uh, Saturday. Well, not against Cornell. During the game where Syracuse is playing Cornell. How about that? Um, and if you make that shot, you will get tickets to go to the Duke game later on this season. Caller 3 registered for a chance. We'll draw that on Thursday. We'll take a break. Maybe a chance for a quick 4 on one in the 315. Then Heather Prusak coming our way at 3.30 to talk bills. We roll along after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.